Dotnet Rocks episode 597 with guests Jeff Walker and Ahmed Zaman. Recorded live Friday, September 24th, 2010. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, by Haystack, and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now here's Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. It's Carl. It's Richard. We're in London at the DevCon conference. Indeed, we are. What did you do today? What did I do today? Oh, you know, I I pretty much slept off my jet lag today, Richard. What did you do? I went to Trafalgar Square and the National Art Gallery and Buckingham Palace and, you know, all those London-y things. Yeah. Great places to visit. Mm -hmm. I have uh, fond memories. Well, anyway, we're here uh, at DevCon. We've uh, been having fun, a little bit of fun so far, and just acclimating ourselves. We're going to be doing uh, some speaking tomorrow and recording a show for future reference. So, And we got a great interview uh, yesterday, too. Yeah, we did, uh, which you're going to hear in the show. So we're going to break with tradition and do a better know framework while on the road. Ooh. Here it goes. All right, what do you got? Well, I know that I've talked about this, but it's such an important class mm. and such a fundamental piece of technology to .NET that uh, I really want to bring people's attention back to it. If you haven't done any XML work in a long time, you may or may not be familiar with system.xml.link.xdocument. Uh, the only way to do XML. It's the only way to read an XML file. Mm-hmm. Or write an XML file, for that matter. So you uh, basically create an X document object from a file, and you can do it with a URL, too, if you add a little extra code. And then you can basically navigate through it using link. It's a wonderful thing. Querying XML is a wonderful thing. Yep, it really is. Just takes all the pain and suffering out of XML. Yep, it's all goodness. No more XPath. So who's talking to us, Richard? Got an email from Australia. Hi, Carl and Richard. You guys are evil. Ever since I got my iPhone a couple of years ago, I've fallen in love with it. It's simply so sexy and smooth. Sure, like any technology, it irritates me, but not often. I've mostly resisted other Apple products, but after two shows, that is show 574, Catching Up with Mary Jo Foley, and show 568, Jackson Harper and Chris Hardy on mono, I now have to get a 27-inch iMac for some mono touch development. Ooh, why? Why does it have to be a 27-inch? <laughs> What's that justification there? Okay. In my head, I justify it by some of the things that you guys have said and he's paraphrasing here, programming is something you never truly master, but we strive to improve and advance our skills and get out there and learn new languages. Mm-hmm. This is evil. Mm. Uh, but on the other hand, building iPhone apps could make you some money. You know, I'm glad he was so inspired to buy Apple products from .NET Rocks. Hey, Steve Jobs, where's my cut? <laughs> well, and interestingly enough, I think this email's from uh, uh, last month. And back then it was still, you know, uh, Apple had the rules in place where you weren't allowed to use mono That's right. to build apps. Although they never actually pulled. They never enforced it. They never pulled any mono touch apps. But now they've actually dropped it. And I think it's because the uh, 
the FTC was on them about why are you doing this. And when you say dropped it, you mean dropped the restriction. They dropped the restriction. That's right. Yeah. So now you're allowed to, there's no restriction again for using MonoTouch. So that's all good. I'm glad he's doing this. Yep. Uh, let me end off the email here. It says, uh, on a self-improvement front, I really hate having to do the same thing over and over again. And learning, recognizing, and applying patterns seem to me to, me, to be an essential tool in the toolbox of every developer. Do you think you guys would be able to get some people on the show to talk about patterns and how they're applied in their job and some lessons they've learned along the way? Wow, that's hmm. an interesting idea. Talking about software patterns is difficult to i mean it, it, it conceptually we can do it but very difficult to illustrate yeah and, and well it tends to be so abstracted i think one of the things colin's implying here is this idea that these are constructs these are ideas around that are technology agnostic mm. and so that makes them even more abstract mm. but uh, it's something to think about i i'm thinking in terms of finding someone who programs on multiple platforms and how they use patterns well and you know Patterns creep into our conversations every once in a while. Sure. Um, and uh, that's just the way it goes because they are so ubiquitous. You bet. Anyway, keep up the fantastic work. And that's from Colin Richardson in Quakers Hill, New South Wales. So I oh, guess we're wow. sending a mug to Australia. Sounds good. And if you've got questions, concerns, ideas from shows, comments on anything you've heard here, send us an email, .net rocks at franklins.net. And uh, don't forget the Billy Hollis Silverlight 4 DVD is for sale right now at franklins.net. And also our friends at Infusion are looking for a few good people. So if you're interested in making a career move, give us a, give us a holler. Send an email to me, carl at franklins.net. So, Richard, this is kind of an interesting show. Mm-hmm. Because we are interviewing two different developers writing two very different kinds of Windows Phone 7 applications. Two very different organizations, too, behind them. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we're just going to run each interview separately. They were recorded at different times. And in different ways. In different ways. The interview <laughs> coming up here with Jeff Walker, we uh, recorded on Friday in our in our usual manner over the phone. But uh, the recording that we did with Ahmed... We did here in London yesterday, well, Sunday. It was actually in Leicester. Yeah, in Leicester, which is north of London. And uh, Richard and I decided to get on the train and go north and and meet Ahmed and go out to dinner. And then in the cab ride on the way home, we recorded the interview. So enjoy it. Our first guest is Jeff Walker. Jeff has been a software developer for over 20 years, with the last five years focused solely on mobile Currently, Jeff works at Ware Incorporated, developing the Ware application, that's W-H-E-R-E, for lots of different mobile platforms. Before that, he co-founded AirPrint, which gave mobile users access to stuff like coupons and movie tickets from their cell phones. Jeff's love of cool new toys is what attracted him to mobile many years ago. Now he gets to build them and get paid for it. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Ware.com? Really? Ware.com, Really? W-H-E-R-E dot com. How? How did you get that? No, we didn't get how dot com. We no. got where dot com. <laughs> where? <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of those conversations, is it? <laughs> Who's we're, going, we're going directly to Abbott and Costello just like that? <laughs> I don't know. Third third base. So, was did, have you had it for a long time? I think there must have been some sort of bribery involved. I'm not sure. Wow. Yeah, because there, there was a company before this called You Locate, right? Correct. Yeah, and people were like, you? Like, why are you? Uh, what, uh, what does you locate mean? Uh, exactly. So, it's, it's a very typical geek name. That's right. So 
so where just seemed like, you know, perfect because uh, basically it's all about, you know, where you are. So it's all about um, location-based applications? That's correct. So, uh, you know, it's using uh, your location to give you, you know, stuff to do, places to go, um, movies to see, events to go to. Uh, so it, it and uh, and then that's sort of half of it, uh, and then the other half of our business is uh, basically a local ad network um, that uh, you know hyper local ad network that we've built, and we've got a bunch of publishers like uh, Pandora and so forth, as well as ourselves that are that are using uh, uh, our ad network. So it's kind of a two two parts to the to the business. There's the the mobile application itself, and then there's the ad network. So if you click on uh, the search radius and go to 25 miles and you see no little pins in the map, you are in the middle of nowhere. Question answered. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I would would definitely say that. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. You have these these pins. Uh, You know, the search radius you can set to half a mile, five miles, or 25 miles, and you get the the, the Google map with the uh, location pins. And are you, is, is this just stuff to do places to go or, um, you can sort of narrow it down by category or are there, are you doing coupons here too? That's correct. Yep. So, uh, we have, uh, coupons in there. It'll, it'll show you coupons, uh, for, uh, businesses near you. Um, so it just figures out where you are and then, uh, gives you, you know, coupons that you can save away and bring to the store and show them the, the coupon code and they punch it into the cash register and give you a discount. So it's not like um, there's like a barcode or anything like that or anything no. you got to print out. No, there's no barcode, nothing to print. You just basically have to uh, show your screen, you know, show your phone to the right. cashier and they punch in the number. Oh, that's pretty cool. Smart. Yeah. So this is not just WinPhone 7, you're doing this on other platforms as well? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we've actually got uh, over 3 million users, um, uh, active users, uh, and we're growing at like 500,000 per month um, on basically all the different smartphone platforms, uh, as well as feature phones. Like if you go into AT&T and, you know, grab any of their free phones, you'll see where is preloaded on there. And, nice. Uh, you know that's how we make a, a lot of money. You know, a, a lot of our money is uh, is made through preloads, a subscription, you know, monthly subscription. So the uh, user actually subscribes to where? That's correct. Yeah, for okay. the feature phones, for the uh, smartphones, it's generally just all free or ad supported. Uh, but for the feature phones, it's a uh, subscription based. Interesting. Nice. Well, so, and I guess now you've had experience building apps on all these different platforms. That's correct, yeah, um, and certainly each one is different. I mean, each one has its own, you know, very cool aspects, and there each one has its own, like, uh, little surprises that you find in the 11th hour when, you, when you're trying to get a product out the door. Any highlights? What's your favorite phone? Um, well, I tell you, I'm, I've... Uh, uh, I definitely like the Windows Phone 7. I think that's going to be an awesome platform. Uh, I can't wait to see some of the hardware. I mean, the one I've been playing with uh, is a, the LG phone, which is a nice piece of hardware. Uh, you know, I know that uh, HTC and Samsung and others are going to be coming out with Windows Phone 7 devices as well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, see what the hardware looks like for that. Um, 
I mean, the Android devices are awesome. I mean, there's there's uh, some pretty good ones there. Um, I mean, you know, sort of everyone holds the iPhone to as the sort of the the standard. But uh, frankly, I mean, you know, I think Windows Phone Seven uh, really has some some uh, interesting aspects that are uh, you know, especially these people hubs and picture mm-hmm. hubs and stuff like that. Um, you know that your your uh, listeners might be aware of, but uh, there's some really cool integration that they're doing now. You know, instead of having like uh, a vertical app, like a Facebook app, and then you've got your Twitter app and so forth, uh, all that social, uh, all the social network stuff is kind of integrated together into these hubs. So you'll see, like, uh, uh, in one list, you'll see your Facebook updates and and your email and so forth. I mean, so it's it's uh, it's pretty cool what they're what they're doing and like contacts. It'll pull in your contact list from. From Gmail, from Exchange, um, you know, from Facebook, uh, and it'll just present them all in a linear list rather mm-hmm. than having to search around for your contacts. So, does that UI paradigm then change the way you built where? Uh, not so much. I think it's. Uh, I mean, at this point, uh, a lot of these cool features are kind of um, not visible yet to the developers. So, um, you know, for example. Um, uh, I know that uh, like pictures is supposed to be available. I haven't played with it yet, but mm-hmm. uh, you're supposed to be able to sort of insert pictures into the list of pictures um, in your sort of picture feed. You know, so can you you can imagine pictures being posted on Facebook show up in the feed. Pictures that are posted from say Flickr or whatever uh, are uh, show up there. So that's that's one aspect that's currently supposed to be open. I haven't played with it yet. The Windows Phone is really hip on social media sites um are do does where for all these other phones do you know facebook and twitter as well as the windows phone 7 does yeah actually uh uh for uh for where we actually use the f- uh facebook friends um as a way to sort of connect you with your friends hmm. you know you don't have to sort of create where friends you just log in Using your Facebook credentials, and then all of your Facebook friends show up there, and you can, uh, you know, sort of uh, like places and check into places and stuff like that, and it shows up in your uh, in your Facebook feed. So we've got, uh, you know, pretty tight integration with uh, Facebook in particular. And is the uh, Windows Phone Seven version ready to go in the marketplace? Uh, as soon as it opens, uh, I mean, it's supposed to happen today, at least according to rumor, uh, should be able to, uh, you know, as soon as it opens, we're ready to post it to the uh, to marketplace uh, for approval. And, so it should uh, be open by the time this airs. Yeah, uh, I hope so. Um, that's the, But that's the rumor. And, uh, you know, the approval process is supposed to take a few days. Um, but right. it sounds like it's much more transparent than, say, Apple's... Um, uh, approval process, which is you know generally a nightmare. Even for you guys, I mean, it sounds like Wear is quite organized. You've done a. This is a big app. It's well connected. You've got a lot of phones out there already running it. So you'd think for iPhone would be pretty painless for you. You would think, uh, and we're <laughs> you know top top ten in category like on all these different uh, you know on Android, BlackBerry, uh, mm. iPhone. You know we're we're generally top ten in our category. Right. Uh, you know, even in the extremely crowded, um, you know, app store. Uh, but yeah, it just, sometimes it takes a few days. Sometimes it takes a couple weeks. It's just really weird. Um, huh. uh, you know, and certainly we've gotten rejected for things that we were just a surprise. Um, uh, 
you know, and if you screw anything up as far as uh, reference a uh, you know a method or something in in, uh, in a uh, one of their sort of proprietary packages. No approval um, for you. Yep. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> Start over. Back of the line, pal. <laughs> oh man. So, yeah. anyways, yeah. I mean, it, it, that's certainly been covered plenty in the press. It's it is a painful process. Maybe your app used the word jobs in a rather in a less than flattering uh, <laughs> sentence. You know. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't make fun of Steve. Job finder. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so did your does your app on the phone uh Windows Phone 7 use Silverlight or XNA or both? Uh actually we're using Silverlight um and uh uh I mean we're actually you know one of the questions that uh several people asked um you know at some of the developer conferences were uh, can we mix XNA and Silverlight um because you know I uh, I'd love to add some 3D elements uh, you know some yeah. sort of gaming elements to this thing. Um, but, uh, currently you can't mix and match. So you have to sort of pick right out of the gate, which way you want to go X and a, or uh, silverlight. I mean, it's the silverlight path. It's not like it's, uh, um, you're, you're, uh, picking a path, which is really defeatured. I mean, the, the silverlight on windows phone seven is, is awesome. I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. really, uh, you can make really nice, rich user experience with it. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be cool when they start to allow you to mix the two, um, you know. So pop out to a to a little game inside your app or whatever. That'll that'll be cool. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. We've been blown away by the uptake and the quick adoption of Silverlight. It's no secret, though, that the platform didn't provide for consistent integration with the web analytics services. Well, not anymore. As you might have already heard, Microsoft announced its Silverlight Analytics Framework, which solves the above-mentioned problem, but what's also interesting is that Telerik already provides support for the framework. Telerik's the first UI components vendor to offer handlers for the Silverlight Analytics Framework. Using RAD controls for Silverlight, you can immediately benefit from the advantages of the platform and start tracking the statistics of your applications. You can read details and download the handlers at Telerik.com slash Silverlight. And hey, don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Telerik. So you like programming on the Windows Phone 7. What is your least favorite platform to develop well, for? Well, it's probably a tie uh, between, say, J2ME and BlackBerry. They, they sort of share some of the same aspects. So you'll, when you start talking to mobile developers, you know, uh, and, and certainly you'll see it in the press too, uh, this nasty word called fragmentation comes in. And basically what that means is that, uh, you know, sort of like for the iPhone, for Windows Phone 7, there's like one target that you're shooting for in terms right. of what hardware is there for, you know, there's a camera there, you've got this screen size, you may or may not have a keyboard, etc. cetera. Uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, uh, like Android does a pretty good job of, of sort of uh, hiding you from the detail of whether there's a keyboard or not. And Windows Phone 7, you know, certainly learned from Android and one-upped them in that regard. Um, but like J2Me and uh, BlackBerry, uh, you end up uh, having to essentially port to each device. Right. And sometimes it's even worse than that. You have to port to each device on each carrier. So, you know, say you've got a 
phone X on AT and T, uh, you might there might be a slight different variation of that same hardware with different firmware on T-Mobile. So uh, it's uh, you know with that fragmentation, it ends up costing you a lot more in terms of development and QA. Uh, you know, you get the, the sort of basic app there, but then you end up having to port it to different devices. And both uh, J2Me and uh, uh, BlackBerry sort of suffer from from uh, from some of that. Um, we better define J2Me. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, so, like, you know, if you uh, walk into an AT and T store, all those yeah. free phones um, uh, allow you to download applications um, and subscribe to them on a monthly basis. Those uh, applications are typically written in Java using the J2ME platform. It's a Java 2 micro edition, oh. um, uh, and they sort of rebranded a Java ME or something like that, but it's basically the same stuff. It's uh, essentially a very reduced version of, uh, of the platform suitable for mobile devices. So, like you know, even uh, you know that Motorola Razor that you have sitting uh, collecting dust in the and uh, along with all the other piles of uh, old phones. My uh, wife is still using hers. What sir. did Brandon Watson call it? The drawer of broken dreams. was Brandon Watson? But yeah, that great. Line, I was just thinking of that line. The drawer of broken dreams is you get it working on one phone, and then you go to the drawer and take out the next phone and try it, and it doesn't work, and you make tweaks. Then you have to go back and test with the first phone again, make sure it works for that one and the second one. And then you go back to the drawer of broken dreams for the third phone. That's right, and that's yeah. that's the way it is when you're when you're porting to all these uh, these feature phones. Is you know, it's like uh, you just have to. You, you, it doesn't just work. You have to go in and make tweaks. Uh, See, so yeah, I mean, we've literally got you know buckets and buckets of phones uh, um, uh, that we use for testing. You know, whenever we port to a new phone, we have to get a couple of them. One is a primary development phone, and one is a backup for when we brick the. The uh, the the primary phone, because um, <laughs> you know what, what happens, especially with the J2Me. You said see, I noticed you said when. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know these phones you're getting are uh, you're getting them from the OEMs. They're prototype devices. They're you know they're basically giving you new firmware every few days because they're they're doing development on these phones. They're trying to get out. So you're never really sure whether it's your software or whether it's this flaky firmware or whatever. I mean, so J2ME is kind of one end of the spectrum in terms of, uh, you know, pain and suffering. Um, you know, at least the BlackBerry devices, when we get them, are pretty solid. Um, right. But, you know, for BlackBerry, you end up, you just look at it, there's a lot of different combinations. There's touchscreen, non-touchscreen, trackball. Uh, touchpad, uh, keyboards. I mean, you know, there's, uh, some of them have keyboards, uh, right. some of them don't. Uh, so, you know, you end up having to basically port to, uh, to each of those, uh, different devices. Are all these different APIs as well? Yeah, that's right. So, like, uh, um, tools. for, uh, so for example, uh, the touchscreen, you know, when you touch the screen, you get an event in your application that says, hey, somebody just touched something, that's actually a different API than um, a scroll event that you might get if you had a uh, trackball. So you actually have to kind of handle both uh, or 
handle them differently, you know, based on uh, what your application does. Are you, are you really down to the point where you're just doing a build per platform or per device? Or do you try and make like one BlackBerry app and you've got all this, if trackball, then do it this way. If touch, then do it that way. It, it, it's somewhere in between. And it's almost like a case by case basis. Sometimes we can say, hmm. yeah, you know, the, the bold and the curve are pretty close to each other. We can make a build that will do both of those. But the storm, that's totally different. We need a separate <laughs> build for that. Do you have any advice for developers who may have done Silverlight or Windows Forms or something like that or WPF, XNA, and now want to get into, or even web development for that matter, and now want to get into uh, building apps for WinPhone 7? Well, I guess the first thing I would say is you have it so easy. <laughs> it's like it's not fair you didn't suffer through all of this uh, mobile fragmentation and, and uh, pain and suffering that's been going on for the last few years. Yeah. Uh, um, so as far as uh, Windows Phone 7 in particular, um, you know, the, the, I guess the, the first thing that you'll see, and I, I found this in the developer conferences uh, when people went around and sort of said, you know, hey, this is what I do. Uh, I'm look, playing around with Windows Phone 7, um, looking at doing an app. And a lot of these people were coming from the web world, uh, you know, like many would say, yeah, I've been de- developing, you know, Silverlight apps for web apps and so forth. Um, you just have to, like, totally forget anything you knew about web development and start over and think about it in terms of this teeny tiny little screen, um, crappy network connectivity sometimes, uh, you know, like uh, slow networks, flaky networks, if you, especially if you're on AT&T. Uh, no, I didn't say that today. Don't. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> Censor! Um, Censor! <laughs> um, and... Uh, uh, I feel your pain. Um, yeah. Let me just say that because <laughs> I am I am an iPhone user currently, mm-hmm. and I love it. But you know, sometimes I just wish it was a phone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, so you basically have to just like start from scratch and think about you know, okay, I've I've got this little teeny space. I mean, uh, the I can't make the fonts too small because then people won't be able to read them. I mean, there's a whole bunch of usability stuff that you don't even really think about when you're doing web apps. It's like, oh, yeah, you've got, you know, a mouse and uh, this huge, gigantic screen. And, geez, you even have a keyboard that you can actually type on. Um, uh, whereas, you know, with uh, uh, mobile apps, it's like, you know, you, you sort of want to lean towards clicking rather than typing. Um, and anytime you want to, anytime you make your user type, you want to have some sort of autocomplete thing so that they can just like type a couple letters and have it, you know, hit a server and give you back a list of possible choices or right. have a built-in dictionary or whatever. And, you um, know, the whole idea of navigating from feature to feature is different from, you know, putting everything you can possibly do on one screen with a bunch of menu options. That's right. And, yeah. you know, the and each platform has... Uh, um, uh, guidelines, uh, you know, UX, uh, user interface, you know, user experience guidelines. Um, like, you know, the, the Microsoft has actually a really nice set for Windows Phone 7. It's, it's pretty clear. Uh, for uh, iPhone, they have a set that, you know, just seems to be growing all the time. Uh, so you really have to sort of sit down and look at those things because certainly for iPhone, if you if you uh, really, you know, sort of deviate from that, they they get mad at you. Um, 
So um, at any rate, you, you sort of have to come into each platform and sort of, you know, all right, so you've got a feature set that you're interested in, in uh, delivering on a mobile platform, but then you have to go back and say, okay, what are the expectations for this particular platform? So like, uh, for example, Windows Phone 7, you know, the click and hold, uh, you know, sort of press and hold and have a menu pop up, that particular action is something that's not available on all the platforms. So it's something like the iPhone doesn't really do that. So uh, you uh, have to sort of take into account when you do your design uh, what the expectations of the platform are. Um, you know, if they've got a trackball, then you want to be able to support that. Or like a BlackBerry, you've always got a menu button, which, you know, for Windows Phone 7, there is no dedicated menu button. Yeah. Uh, uh, same with, I, you know, with iPhone, there's, there's no dedicated button for pretty much anything um not even back <laughs> um, yeah, yeah which is kind of my most major complaint about the iphone is you have to take up real estate with navigation you know rather than having a back button um so anyways you, you know when you're doing your design it's like you just sort of have to rethink it every single time and oh by the way there's absolutely no code sharing between the platforms you know i don't care if it's java you know android java and blackberry java and Whatever it's, a, you end up having to write everything from scratch for each platform. How much of this app ends up living on the server versus on the phone? Well, um, I mean, it's it, it is kind of analogous, I think, to web apps in the sense that um, I mean, the, the way that most of the architect the the apps are architected nowadays is, you know, essentially you know, the interesting ones, anyways, like games and stuff that don't have any network connectivity. That's a different story, but yeah. sort of. You know, apps that provide, you know, social networking experience or, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, I would argue that the apps that have network, that require network connectivity are probably the, the more interesting ones. Um, uh, you know, even stuff that might be a game, you want to have a network aspect to it for, you know, uh, multiplayer gameplay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Whatever. There's no good games out there today that don't have connectivity. Exactly, exactly. So, um you know, the uh, sort of a information apps, kind of like what we do with uh, Wear, um, there's uh, a, a lot of intelligence on the back end. I mean, you know, if you look at the engineering team, you know, probably uh, a third of the engineering team is doing back end stuff. Um, so it's, uh, it's very important to have sort of that aspect well covered in terms of the, in terms of the engineering team and just, you know, in terms of technology. But then on the client side, you end up, uh, you know, basically we typically use JSON, you know, JSON, um, the, it's kind of like a, a data format that, uh, that JavaScript uses for right. getting data back and forth between, yep. you know, web browser and the server. Uh, that's a pretty popular format for uh, for mobile because it's efficient. So uh, at any rate, in terms of efficient in terms of uh, just you know uh, size, you know data size. So um, you know you end up uh, basically just doing a lot of back and forth between the client and the server, and then you know essentially presenting the data to the user in an interesting way. So like you know we've our apps a lot have a lot of like images, you know like. Uh, thumbnails of pictures of restaurants and right. stuff like that. Um, so it's constantly reaching over the network and grabbing that stuff and, you know, lazy loading it and presenting it on the screen. If your app is one of those that is constantly chatting, you know, back and forth, do you, do you have to do checking for 
you know, for uh, connectivity in your app all the time? Is that something you build in, or is there something in the platform that just handles that gracefully for you? Well, uh, each of the platforms is different, but in general, they do have um, uh, sort of error reporting if something, you know, if it's not able to uh, to reach, you know, to finish the request, I guess. So, um, you know, if you ask for an image after a certain period of time, it'll time out and say, hey, I can't. I can't load this or whatever. Well, what happens when connectivity comes back? Does it pick up where it left off? Well, it kind of depends. I mean, if it's sort of a critical thing, like, for example, uh, if you're trying to do a search, you know, you're searching for pizza, uh, you know, you, you type in pizza and you say go. Uh, if the thing, like, times out, it's not able to reach the server. In that case, it's like you're dead. You're dead in the water. Mm. And you sort of want to tell the user, hey, Something you know, wait a little while for connectivity and try again. Yeah, you're something. out for lunch. You want pizza, and you lose connectivity. And finally, around nine o'clock p.m., it says, "Hey, I found a pizza for you." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're a little late. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, that, that's not good uh, or for like, business. Or like you know, just the other people. case where you're scrolling down through a list of movies, and the movie posters are lazy loading. You know, uh, yeah. um, you know, as you scroll down, it only grabs off the network the posters that it needs to show you at that moment mm. uh in that case like who cares i mean okay so it didn't load the poster right, there's no reason critical. to put up a nasty dialogue box saying you know uh um go somewhere where at&t has coverage so you really have to handle it yourself it sounds like I mean, yeah and it really depends yeah, yeah, exactly you have to handle it yourself and you kind of have to uh, handle it in a way that makes sense for what it is that you're trying to do yeah You've done uh, some things with picture tell, video conferencing, voice over IP, that kind of stuff in in your past life. Yeah. Do you um do you look forward to the day when we get access to the codecs in Windows Phone Seven, so we can do that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Like I mean, just minimal. You know, like one feature that uh, um, that uh, I was looking at. You know, we, we support um, browsing for movies and stuff. So, mm. you know, with where you say, okay, what movies are playing, and it'll show you sort of the movies that are playing as well as the uh, theaters that are near you. Um, and on uh, most of our other apps, we have trailers, movie trailers. So um, that particular piece was actually kind of late. I mean, it came in, I think, uh, um, with the, the final, you know, the RTM of the tools, um, you know, the final release of the tools, but it was just kind of too late. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff like that, that, uh, you know, as we get further along, as they come out with new releases of the tools and new firmware updates, um, you know, there'll be sort of new stuff that we'll keep on adding in there that'll be, uh, you know, very cool. Mm. I mean, like, um, um, you know, for example, we don't have a thing in there for taking a picture uh, of a restaurant that you're at and sharing it or whatever. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, Which, yeah it sounds like a logical extension to your app is to start taking feedback from your your uh, customers. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could put that in an out-of-band database and sort of match it up with the long and lat. Yeah. Uh, that could be done. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. And it, it's stuff we've, you know, we've done stuff like that in the past, too, so... You know, and, and part of it is just, uh, uh, especially the Windows Phone 7, because, uh, you know, there's going to be such a short period of time from when the tools come out to when the device, the devices come out. Um, and the availability of the devices is, is uh, pretty limited. You know, we just, uh, 
want to be pretty conservative about the future set and being prepared for, you know, device launch whenever that happens to be, which mm-hmm. we're not even, you know, you, there's the rumor of the day when it's going to be, but we sort of always want to be ready to jump on it, you know, when the devices start coming out. Yeah. But are you guys aren't pre-positioned on the phone this time around? We are not. Um, we were hoping to get a sort of preload spot um, with, uh, you know, a couple of the carriers, but uh, currently, I don't think that we have a preload deal yet. Um, and so, is the uh, the app is free with the smartphone because it's ad supported? That's correct. So, um, for Windows Phone Seven, actually, we built it so that uh, you can just flip a switch whether to turn on the ad network or not. I actually turned it off um, for this release that we're waiting to push to the marketplace just because most of the people that are going to be playing with it over the next couple months until the devices become available are, you know, people like Gadget or whoever, right. you know, so it's like uh, um, not no reason really to, to push the ads at this point. I just wanted to use the screen real estate for, you know, for the app. And what markets is the, is the app supported in? Uh, U.S. at this point. Just U.S.? Yep. Um, uh, put me uh, down for Canada. <laughs> and, and heck, you know, we're both off to London in the next few days for another show. This is where we'd use it the most. Do you have right? any plans to uh, to localize that way? Um, uh, I guess you could you could imagine an obvious extension in that direction. <laughs> wow, are you sure you don't work for Microsoft? <laughs> You're good. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine it. Yes, you're right. I can. Yeah, awesome. Don't ask for dates. We don't do dates. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you, and congrats on Where.com and your applications. I, I can't wait to check it out. Oh, thanks. It was, uh, it was nice to talk to you guys, too. Awesome. And we'll be right back after this. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by the Haystack Code Generator for .NET, code generation on steroids. Want more control over your code gen? Want your code generator to give you Silverlight 4, WPF, and ASP.NET CRUD screens? The Haystack Code Generator for .NET will generate entity, data, and business rule classes for all your SQL Server and Oracle tables, views, and store procedures. Haystack generates ASP.NET, WPF, and Silverlight user controls, view model classes, and WCF service layer classes for true end-tier applications. Check out CodeHaystack.com, download the user manual, and watch the videos for more information on this great product. They host a live webcast every two weeks. You can sign up at PDSA.com slash webcasts and see how Haystack will shorten your development cycle. So now what have you done? Oh my god, we're in Leicester. (laughs) We are in Leicester. We took the train up here today. And we're in a cab, uh, just coming back from a delicious curry. It was good. Yeah. With uh, Ahmed Zaman. Hi, Ahmed. Hi, how you doing? You all right? Yeah. So, you were showing us your Zoom game. Well, your game for the Windows Phone 7 on the Zoom HD. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Well, uh, it's, a, it's a game based on uh, gesture controls and essentially what it is, it's tilt-based gameplay. It's a uh, 2D platformer. Um, obviously, uh, as you said, aimed for the Windows Phone 7. Right. Uh, it's a sort of easy-going, kind of uh, chill-out kind of game. 
Um, it's, it's sort of Zen Mario Brothers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's not, right. Not a lot of jumping and shooting kind of thing. It's sort of floating along. Yeah, you just sort of move the thing up and down and it moves around. What's the character's name? Uh, the character's name's Mush, and that's the title's name as well. Mush. I love the name of your your software company. What is it called? Angry Mango. <laughs> <laughs> and you're all university students? Yes. Well, one of us has graduated, but uh, yeah, uh, when we when we were working on the game, we were all university students. So, how did you get the idea for the game? How did this all start? Uh, this actually started back uh, in I think it's March. That's when the uh, X forty eight in Huddersfield, um, England, was uh, was running. And hey, before you get too much into that story, I w maybe we should establish your cred. Like you got some serious awards for this game, right? Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, we've got a BAFTA nomination for it. BAFTA? Yeah. Nice. British... Uh, equivalent of the Oscars. Oscars. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. That's amazing. Uh, that amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we were pretty... Uh, we were pretty speechless when we got it. Just wait till you win. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, hopefully we will. We've got some uh, tough competition. Uh, you know, we're up against some pretty decent games. So, so, so how, how it started? Uh, well, it all started, like I said, in, uh, in, in March. Uh, that's when we really got tempted for the Windows Phone 7. Mm. Um, again, because X48 was a, was a uh, Microsoft event and uh, they were upping the Windows Phone 7. No one else went for it, mm. and we thought we'd give it a go, see what you know, what, what it's all, what, what all the fuss is about. Back then, everything was in beta stages, right. so we weren't immensely successful. We did have something rendering on screen, which probably wasn't very much game. Um, but um, from there onwards, we, we really, uh, really did our research, uh, market research-wise, um, and uh, went went with the game as well. I mean, the, the game that we, uh, we had the idea for was based around ego, and sort of controlling your ego and having a balance of like uh, people giving you compliments and people abusing you, and that kind of keep keeping <laughs> keeping your ego somewhere in How the middle. How cool is that? That's neat. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, we really went with that emotion emotion theme. And well, and you've got this gesture for, you can gesture your character to be happy or sad or yeah, angry. smile, a frown, or you shake it to be angry. Yep, that's the one. And yeah, you can draw a straight line across the screen to go to your neutral right. uh, neutral uh, emotion. And it's, it's all about, I mean, uh, the game currently isn't isn't, uh, isn't, isn't like, I mean, it's not complete and it's not the, the full storyline, but ultimately what you do is you, you bring all these emotion back, all this emotion back to, to your, to your, your village, which you, which you leave right in the, mid, in the right at the beginning of the game. Ah, I see. And, the backstory. Uh, yeah. And essentially, I mean, no, the, the, the game, uh, is, is based around that. Uh, the village is a very mundane, very boring, kind of really plain village. And uh, you just bring in life back into it, life of emotion and stuff. So it's all XNA, right? Yep, yeah, all XNA. And you basically have some sprite interaction, and you're also using the Farseer physics engine. Yep, right? that's the one. How did you do gesture development uh, in the emulator? Yeah, in the emulator. Uh, and well, I mean, for the Windows Phone Seven, uh, the, we didn't use the emulator for, for for the testing. We literally used the Zoom device oh, right. uh, to make sure that it was working. We we nailed that in week one of our competition. Um, and uh, well, with, with, uh, as soon as we nailed that, that was uh, it was quite a hacky way that we did it. Um, but uh, hopefully, we'll have some other ways because we, we'd like to integrate more gestures. And like the current way that we have it running, other gestures might may not work as well. Now, I think you're the first person we've talked to that's doing XDA development against the Zoom HD. Is there any particular hoops you have to jump through to make that work? Uh, well, hoops-wise, not necessarily. I think our, our, our real big problem was um, 
controlling uh, uh, what sort of information is going in and out, and yeah. like the memory. We had, we had a lot of memory issues. Uh, but less we, memory in a Zoom HD. Uh, well, there's yeah, there's a lot less memory in the Zoom HD. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was quite annoying. Uh, quite a lot of parts, but we just uh, we, we just had to find some ways we you brought some memory back. What's that? Drive around or yeah, go ahead, drive around. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep the meter running. That's We're right. having a good time. Thank you. So uh, you also had some um, diminished performance uh, on the Zune HD compared to the emulator, which sort of became a drag, right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, have you tested it on a Windows Phone 7? Uh, at the moment, no. Uh, basically, uh, for us to actually uh, have the Windows Phone 7 running, um, like running our game. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we have to be like signed up as developers or something like that. Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure what the the thing is because uh, uh, my, my teammate is actually working on getting that running and he hasn't really updated uh, a lot of us on that. Well, from what we understand, the people that we've talked to, um, the performance is comparable in the emulator and on the phone. So that's probably good news for you. Yeah, definitely. Well, that sounds real good actually. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, tell us about the experience of, of developing a little bit more. Were, were there, in particular, you know, we've had nothing but praise from developers working uh, in Visual Studio. Is, were there any snags, or any gotchas or pitfalls that you can help uh, prospective developers work around or avoid? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I think if we put a lot more, if, if we had put a lot more planning and uh, sort of really structuring our code a lot more I think that would have really helped I mean uh, obviously you need to know what you're doing uh, before you, you, you start working on it and I, I don't think we had that, that, that kind of time scale uh, we sort of just went with something and we were like oh right okay this may not work mode pretty much yeah pretty much yeah uh, it, it's it was glorified hack and slash yeah as I'd like to call it um, but we, we I mean uh, Luckily, we did have quite a lot of structure in code, uh, uh, but obviously, it wasn't enough. Uh, but you guys were also racing to finish for this contest that right. you ultimately yeah. won, right? Yes. So that, that that really didn't give us enough uh, enough time to make sure everything was right. Well, now quite. it gave you a good excuse to not worry about that, just right. to get stuff done. Pretty much, yeah. And now, you're, are you actually finding yourself going back through the code and doing things differently? Uh, well, there, there are parts of the code that we would definitely have to change. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of camera code that may need some changing and uh, ah. uh, so on and so forth. So, um, I mean, yeah, there, there will be parts of the code that will be changed or, or cleaned up or made more efficient. Or, Would you uh, consider porting this over to the Xbox as well? It's all like Uh Well, I mean, there's, there's, poten there's definitely potential for it to be open to Xbox as well as PC. Uh, mm -hmm. But the, the real feel of the game uh, was the reason why we picked up platform? The tilting, yeah, and the the tilting, accelerometer, and yeah, piece. and uh, so obviously you can you can use a mouse for like, the touchscreen input, yeah. Um, but ultimately, the tilting is really for the player to connect with the game quite mm. a lot. Um, is what we were any, wanted. Any other advice you'd want to give to people who are just getting started doing development on in the uh, Windows Phone Seven? Don't give up. <laughs> Don't give up. There's always a solution. Uh, did, did, so you did have some struggles where you just sort of blocked at times. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, especially our, funnily enough, our game state management system, hmm. uh, which was uh, for some reason wasn't wasn't quite doing what it's meant to. But then uh, a couple of changes, and uh, yeah, everything just worked. But it took us two and a half weeks, so it wasted quite a lot of our time. Now you um, could use the emulator for other things too, right? I mean, you you didn't do all of your development 
right on the zoom, did you? Uh, actually, and we were caught unfortunate enough wow. to to do the, to do that uh, wow. because uh, we we didn't have uh, access to the emulator at the competition. Oh, I see. Um, so we we weren't really we hadn't really um, sort of made sure that the, that the yeah. game was also running on the emulator because we wanted to get the game actually running. That probably would have yeah. probably would have been a, a bit more productive if you could have done that. Oh, uh, well, yeah, definitely yes. Yeah. Um, but it would have taken up quite a lot of time as well for us. Sure. When you got this whole thing done in ten weeks, mm-hmm. and how many guys? It was five of us: uh, two wow. artists and three programmers. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty big team compared to a lot of the apps we've talked to so far. Right. Often just one, two, maybe three people. Yeah. How did you coordinate? Did you guys all get in a room together? Are you working remotely? Uh, no, we were we were actually uh, up in Dundee, and we were uh, yeah, we literally were in Scotland. It. Yeah, that's in Scotland. Yeah. Um, and we we were in a in a massive room. I mean, there was like uh, fifteen other teams, so it's like wow. you're talking about seventy five people all working in one. One sort of uh, area. That's a uh, lot of pizza and Mountain Dew, Richard. <laughs> uh, well, to be quite honest with you, the last two weeks they were they were p- pizza and iron brew there. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And for so for ten weeks, you guys were in Dundee just pounding away on this thing. Pretty much, yeah. Jeez. Don't you go to school? Uh, <laughs> we tried to. Uh, How did, did your grades suffer for this competition? Uh, well, luckily, it was after uh, after we finished university. Oh, okay. So that, that it, it just played into our into our court really. And it was an excuse not to come home for two and a half months. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> wow, fantastic. Any any last uh, things that you want to shout out to? or When are we going to be able people, to see this the, game? How about the people that worked on it? Let's give them a shout out. Yeah, names. Uh, well, yeah, there's, there's Henry Hoffman, there's uh, Kate Killick, there's Greg O'Brien, and uh, Matthew Dennis, and myself, Ahmed Zaman. Awesome. Angry so, mango. Yeah, angry mango. <laughs> I had an angry mango for breakfast. <laughs> so we should be able to find this on the marketplace sometime uh, uh, after launch. Well, ho- we're hoping for it to be a launch title. So awesome. So are you, you going to open up the source code? Uh, we'll have to discuss that first. Ah, so, there you go. No promises, unfortunately. All right. Good enough. Thanks, Ahmed. Hey, thank you very much. Thank All you. Right, it's been a pleasure coming up to Leicester. This has been uh, a fun day trip for Richard and I. And we got to head back to the train station, go back down to London next. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks a lot for coming over, first of all. Ah, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure meeting uh, both of you and uh, being involved in this. It's great. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And hey, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a